0: You're listening to Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. Here we go. Okay. Uh, We are in our last Advent message today. Now, you might be wondering, but Pastor, we're past Christmas. But guess what? We're not. The Christmas season actually goes on for quite a while on the church calendar. uh, And we are going to have our last Advent message today. Um, It's kind of like the culmination of everything that we've talked about up to this point, which has been hope, the thrill of hope, the excitement of hope, Hope piercing its way through the darkness and shining like a bright light, which is why we have the candle lit, the Christ candle, to remind us that Christ's light is bright and brings warmth and love and all this kind of stuff. And so as I've looked over all of the messages that we've done thus far in the Christmas series, um, I've realized there has to be a final message. Uh, There has to be the the one that kind of demands the response. Because up to this point, it's been... Uh, Excitement about that baby being born and looking towards the future. But a lot of that has just been, these are things to know, these are things to anticipate, these are things to be excited about. But if we really do have a hope that Christ has given us life eternal through the forgiveness of our sins through Jesus Christ, then we must make a choice to live a life of hope. Unfortunately, uh, that will rub us the wrong way it's not as easy as we think it might be to live a life of hope and so we're going to uh look at um, our response to hope this morning because we've learned about hope for the past couple weeks but now we must respond to it Uh, it's not enough to intellectually know hope exists it's not enough to know that jesus was born as a baby it's not enough to know that he rose uh from the cradle and walked life and did life among people and then died on the cross for our sins, and then was buried, and then rose again on the third day, it's not enough to know that. We have to not only know it, but believe it, and then live it, right? Otherwise, we're missing out on something completely awesome. And um, today is a chance to respond to that hope. I was reading through the Gospel of Luke uh, in preparation for this message. Um, And there were a couple things about this hope that bothered me. And that's how I formed this message today. Just fair warning, okay? Um, God rubbed me the wrong way this week in preparation for this message. And I hope he will rub you the wrong way too, because that's how we'll grow. We'll grow when the Holy Spirit makes us uncomfortable with the way that we have been content to live. and, uh, and so this might be a challenging message to uh, all of us, but that's okay, okay? Right? Um, our response to hope. The first thing that we need to know about hope, this is a good one, I love this one. We could be happy here. Um, hope is a nice idea, right? Can we all agree? Hope is a great idea. I love the idea of hope. I love that there's something to look forward to. I love that I don't have to have all the answers. I love that God can say, this will happen, and eventually it will happen i don't need the road map i don't have to have all the details sometimes i sweat over them but you know i don't have to know i can just know that there's hope and that's a nice idea it's comforting it's good and and when baby jesus was born i guess jesus was born as a baby is a better way to phrase it when jesus came to earth and wrapped himself in flesh is probably even better way to say it right um, and he took, he took human form and he was born as a baby, right? And we read in the Gospel of Luke and, and some of the other gospel accounts that, that he was born in a manger, right? That Mary wrapped him in swaddling clothes, right? You all have this picture of this beautiful new baby and, and, and he's cute and he's cooing, right? And, and, and we know biblical truth, right? All the Christmas carols tell us no crying did he make, right? Right? <laughs> So we know baby Jesus was perfect, right? Okay? Um, and, uh, And so we have this idea of the hope in baby Jesus being this quiet, demure, perfect baby. He probably didn't even make any messy diapers. He certainly was flawless, right? And the reality is he was a baby, okay? He cried. Right. He pooped in his diapers, okay? Or swaddling clothes or whatever that was used. Um, he, uh, he grew up a little bit, and he probably gave his parents a little bit of trouble, like all toddlers do. He got into things maybe he shouldn't have. Maybe he wore his dad's shoes around the house, put them in the wrong place, picked up a hammer when he was probably too little, maybe smacked an oxtail with it. You don't know, okay? What? All we know... Is that jesus grew right hey okay? we don't know much about his middle ages but this idea of jesus as a baby is a nice idea it's a sweet idea it's a soft idea because it doesn't make us live differently <clears throat> if we leave jesus as a baby and the hope right there then we never have to live differently because at that point in human history all we had was a baby a baby promised That he would lead us to hope. A baby promised that he would be the salvation of all generations. A baby that promised to do great things on behalf of God for the people. But at that moment in time, maybe Jesus hadn't done anything to rub us wrong yet. Hope was a nice idea. Um, If you're following along uh, on your Bible app, um, the Faith Life Bible app, or on your uh, regular Bibles or phones, Luke 2, uh, 29. This is Simeon talking to Mary and Joseph when they bring baby Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. And he says, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Uh, Translation: Simeon is saying, God, you promised I would see the hope of the entire world. I would see the Messiah before I died. And now I have, it's Jesus, it's this baby right in front of me. And he is going to lead the entire world, Jews and Gentiles, to salvation. This is, as parents, you like want to hear good things about your baby at dedication. This is good stuff, okay? And his father and mother marveled at what was being said about him. Because they're like, our baby's eight days old. This is awesome that these things are being said about our baby. And Simeon blessed the parents. And then... Said to Mary his mother. So just this if this was a movie, there would be some like music change here. Okay? So you have this wonderful proclamation and blessing, and he blesses the parents, and then dun dun dun, and he turns to Mary. I need you to picture this, okay? Because what he says (coughs) next is a little harsh for a baby dedication. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. So we've got this wonderful part about how he's going to be a light for the Gentiles and the Jews could be a wonderful revelation. But then we've got this part that's a little darker. It's hinting at the future hope that Jesus will bring. But the hope that Jesus will bring is going to rub people the wrong way. The thoughts of hearts are going to be revealed. Anybody want your heart completely revealed in this room today? Right? Um, So, if we understand Scripture to be true, and we do, when we read that Jesus will cause our hearts to be revealed, we have to believe that that is true. Now, he doesn't reveal it publicly in a room full like this. But our hearts are revealed to him, and he is able to see down into the deepest parts of us that we don't let anybody else see and sometimes we don't even ourselves want to see. And if hope is going to get deep down in our heart and live and reside like it should, then it has to root out some other things first. Um, And this is where we get to the next thing that bothered me in scripture. I like this idea of nice baby Jesus, right? Nice baby Jesus who hasn't told me to stop sinning yet. Okay, Nice baby Jesus who hasn't said, um, you should obey the will of the Father over your own flesh, right? Nice baby Jesus who Mary and Joseph could pick up and move somewhere, right? I don't want baby Jesus here. I'm going to put baby Jesus here. I will baby Jesus to be over here. As baby Jesus gets a little older, it gets a little harder, right? As hope matures in our life, uh, we start to find that it challenges our preferences. It's a nice idea at first when it doesn't affect our life. Great idea out in the distance. I love that hope that Jesus gives me. But if we're, not, if we're not embracing hope, if we're not letting it challenge our preferences, we just think it's a nice idea, but we're not really living it. This idea of challenging our preferences, um, man, this is, this is the really hard one. Because the reality of hope is not what I want hope to be. I want what I want. And I hope I get what I want. And in fact, a lot of the Christmas season has very much become, I hope I will get. Right? Um, we have this idea of the way things should work out for our lives. We, we plan things accordingly. We go certain places and we do certain things so that our lives will work out the way we want them to. But if we submit to the hope that Christ offers, it might actually take us the opposite direction than we want to go. It might actually take us to people we wouldn't ordinarily talk to. It might actually cause us to walk places we wouldn't ordinarily walk. Um, hope, living hope, challenges the very preferences you have come to hold as true. Um, if, if in the flesh uh, you think um, my comfort is important, then hope will tell you your comfort is less important than those who have yet to encounter hope. Um, if in the flesh you think that um, if, uh, if I embrace this hope, then my life will be perfect, then it's not really true hope you're embracing. Christ even tells us if we follow him, we will suffer. So even with this great hope that we have, our lives might still have trouble I think Jesus almost exactly said that in this world you will have trouble Hmm. but we can have hope in the midst of trouble but not if it's our hope if it's my hope my hopes are dashed all the time I didn't think it was going to happen that way why did that person rear end me right why didn't they have insurance these are things we think right okay these things happen and we can't control them. But Christ offers us a hope that goes beyond the circumstantial. Now, in modern American Christianity, we have allowed preference to become biblical. And it's something that we don't want to talk about and we don't like talking about, but churches split over preferences. Color of carpet, right? Fog machines or no fog machines, <laughs> am I right? I'm part of a Facebook group, which I love dearly. It's a, thousands of pastors from tons of denominations, and we all are on this Facebook group together, challenging each other to, to be better pastors, right? And sometimes there are debates on this group. Um, I, our, our, our fog machine went out, we're thinking of getting a hazer. I didn't know they were different, okay? Evidently, they're different, okay? Someone else will chime in and say, don't use those, it's distracting. Someone else will say, but this is the way we like to do things, preferences. Okay? Um, some denominations only do acapella hymns, right? Instruments are unholy, okay? Some denominations have multiple drum sets, right? The louder the better, right? Amen. Says the sound guy in the back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Preferences, right? Some denominations, suit and tie only. Everybody. Women dresses down to the ankles. Okay? That's preference. I'm preaching in pork shorts because I'm baptizing people, but it really shouldn't matter. Preferences. Um, The types of preferences that we tend to hold to can destroy the witness of Christ in a community. And if we don't own our personal preferences... And go, "Well, I really prefer things one way, but Christ prefers things differently, and I should go with what Christ prefers, then we are not really living in the hope that God provides for us. We're gonna got one toe in. My foot just cramped.
1: <laughs>
0: oh ow! This is undignified, but it hurts. Hmm! Okay. Oh. Ah! Just bear with me. Okay. Wow. My eyeballs are watering. Okay. We're good now. Oh, man alive. Anybody of that ever happened to you guys? Okay, so you all know. Wow. Okay, where was I? What was I saying? Preferences. I'm sweating. Holy cow. Okay. Um, personal preferences have the ability to destroy our witness. We have to own them with the Holy Spirit. However... Corporate preferences also have that ability. Um, We have the ability as a corporate body of believers to intentionally or unintentionally prefer God's will over our own. Um, There are people in our community that will never feel comfortable walking into a church because preferences are elevated instead of the kingdom of God. And we as a congregation have to really wrestle with this in the coming year. What are we willing to say these are total preferences of the flesh and they are hindering our ability to offer hope to people? Don't say anything out loud, but just think for a moment about a culture of people in our world or a people group or a type of people. You know what I'm getting at, right? Just The people that if you were sitting next to them you would feel awkward. Not quite sure how to talk to them, not sure what you should say, not sure how to react. If you were the only two people in a room, it would be weird for you, okay? You guys have a kind of mental image? I mean, it's hard that we actually have to own this, but probably every single one of us has someone or some type of people that we just feel slightly awkward. Those are our preferences. We prefer not to hang out with those people. We prefer not to talk with those people. You want to know what Jesus wants? Jesus wants us to talk to those people. He doesn't just want us to talk to those people. He wants us to truly love them like he loves us. Because he died for them. He was the hope for them. He was the revelation to all mankind of God himself. And when we say, I'm uncomfortable talking to that person, we are actually saying, I prefer that they don't hear the gospel. And that's not, that, that does not jive with us if we claim to have Christ in our hearts. Jesus was talking with a bunch of people who were following him. A whole crowd, right? Because wherever he went, crowds. And they were going along the road and someone said i will follow you wherever you go i want to be a christian i want to trust you i will be baptized i will do what you say choose me and jesus said to him foxes have holes and birds have of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head translated if you follow me you will be homeless and poor and you need to know That your preferences for comfort and amenities are probably not going to be met. Do you still want to follow me? (coughs) Will you still follow me if the guarantee is you will never, ever, ever have two pennies to rub together? Are you still willing to be all in? That's what Jesus is asking. To another, he said, follow me. That man said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury the dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This is really harsh, right? This sounds terrible. This is not what pastors say to people, right? But Jesus says this to people. He wants people to know, listen, um, dead people can't receive me. They've made a choice already. When they die, that's it. They've either chosen faith or they've not chosen faith. You need to focus your life's energy on people who are going to receive the gospel. Go and preach life to people who still have a chance for life, who need hope. Jesus continues to a third person. Another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first go saying farewell to those. I followed you on this journey, Jesus. I've been with you. I've heard what you're teaching. I really like everything you've said. My home is 15 miles back that way. I will run home, say goodbye to my people, and I will run and catch up with you. And Jesus is smart. He's a smart cookie. Okay, he knows. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. What he's saying is, if you go 15 miles back down the road, and you step foot into the campground of your old temptations and your old friends... your old life you will get sucked right back into that and you're not going to come back after me don't go back to what you left there is hope ahead of you walk in that don't turn around and that's the problem we oftentimes turn around but jesus is saying don't look back keep walking in hope okay there's so much more ahead now the last thing that we need to know about hope and this is this is a simple but challenging one It's a nice idea. It challenges your preferences. And it's all consuming. All or nothing. Jesus doesn't get part of you. You can't just give him some and withhold others. He can have the right half of my body, but with the left half of my body, I'm still going to live in the flesh. It doesn't work that way. To live in the kingdom of hope, to really inherit what God has given to us through Christ Jesus it's all or nothing he wants all of us every bit of us to be submitted to his perfect will this is a all-consuming kind of hope and it's a thoughtful choice it's an intentional choice it's something we say it's going to be hard sometimes I know I'm going to have trouble people might not like me All the excuses we can give left and right. But we still make the choice to walk forward in hope. Luke 14. Great cows accompanied him now. And he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What he's saying is, listen, there are relationships that you will have. But the first primary, most important, above all others relationship is the relationship between me and you. And if my love for you and your love for me in return does not make look all other relationships look pale in comparison, then you're probably not my disciple. You are elevating a relationship above me. Our relationship needs to be first. Our relationship needs to be primary ours is first priority Jesus says this is what defines you as a disciple our relationship whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple again this is is that challenge that says it has to be all or nothing you have to be willing to walk the road of hope that God lays for you he bore the cross for our sins right We did not pay that price. But if we choose to follow him, the world will hate us. You might lose family members in the process. They might not understand why you proclaim what you proclaim. But we make a choice to follow Jesus wherever he leads us because he loves us and he gives us hope. Which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and isn't able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man started to build and he couldn't finish. What an idiot. This is kind of the rough translation there. When we proclaim Christ, when we say we love Jesus, when we say we are a Christ follower, and we turn our hand back to the plow and we live another way, we are like this guy. We claim a foundation, but we don't live it. We never really allowed it to get its fullness in our life. We actually say we love Jesus, but do things that show that we don't love Jesus. And suddenly, instead of being a a beacon of hope and light to the world, we are actually showing a picture of God that isn't (coughs) true. Leading people away from the truth, away from hope. Our lives need to be in step fully, fully committed to the hope that Christ has provided for us. What king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if he can't, then while the other is still far, far, far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. This is an intentional choice. I realize (coughs) that I am about to be overtaken. I think peace is a better option than being demolished. The reality is, every single one of us will die at some point in our life. Every single one of us will breathe our last. We don't know when, we don't know how, it's not up to us. The decisions we make in life will affect where we spend eternity. And the Bible is very clear there are only two eternities for mankind Heaven in heaven, right? right? Party in heaven with Jesus forever. For those who have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and have lived a fully devoted life. Or hell, eternal separation for all time from God and love and all things that are comforting. Those are the only two options. Um, We have to make an intentional choice to sit down and calculate if I'm going to bet my eternity on something, do I want it to be on my own strength? Do I want it to be on the glory of God, who loved me so much he sent his son to die for me? This is the hope he offers. It started as a baby, but it grew. It challenges our preferences. It makes us think differently, act differently than we would in the flesh. And then it says, I don't just want some of you some of the time. I want all of you all of the time, and it's going to be glorious. And so the question we have to ask this morning is, how are you going to respond to hope? Because it's not enough that you know hope came as a baby. It's not enough that you know hope grew up and died on the cross for your sins. It's not enough that you know that he rose again on the third day in fulfillment of scriptures. The greatest distance in humanity is the 18 inches between head and heart. Okay? You can know all you want. But you must believe. And you must live in that belief. Scripture tells us that... um, A man wanted to know how he should be saved, and the answer was, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you will be saved. That might be the response someone needs to take this morning, to actually lay hold of the hope that is freely given through Christ Jesus. Some response might be, I felt my toes stepped on by the Holy Spirit this morning. Maybe me quite literally. (laughs) Um, there are preferences that need to be dealt with the Holy Spirit there are areas of my life that are not yet in submission to him that might be the response for you this morning the response for you this morning might be I am striving my hardest to live according to the glory of God for my life but I want to be all in I think I'm doing well, but I want, I want all in. I won't have two pennies to rub together, maybe. I don't know. I'll go where God leads me, even if it's to the middle of Australia in the bush. But if that's what Jesus wants, I'll go there because I'm all in. I'm not all in as long as I'm comfortable. I'm all in, and there's a difference. I don't know what response that your soul needs to make today. But everybody has to make some kind of response. And even not making a response is a response. Choosing not to respond is a response in the negative. I refuse to hear what the Lord is saying to me today. So everybody's going to make a response. It just depends on what kind of response you're going to make. The team is going to come up and lead
2: us. You're about to witness something amazing. More accurately, you're about to witness the result of an amazing supernatural equation of events, baptism. The equation starts with a Savior who left heaven, faced all the temptations of a broken world and overcame it, who faced all the finality of death and burial and overcame it, in order to allow an unholy people, separated by a giant chasm from their holy God, to overcome it. This giant chasm is called sin, We are born into it. We cannot defeat it. It will kill us. There is no hope. But we are not hopeless. You see, from the beginning of time, God had a plan, a plan for us to be rescued, reborn, recreated, regenerated, redeemed. A perfect equation by which a sinful man can encounter a risen savior and become a chosen child. And today, we get to witness the result of that equation, baptism. Baptism is a time of testimony, a person's personal story of redemption. Baptism is a symbol, a physical picture of one being buried with Christ just as he was and being raised to a new life because he was raised from the dead, so that they can live a life for him. There is nothing magical about baptism, but it does represent something supernatural. It is the culmination of a person dead in sin being raised to life through Christ in order to enjoy life in perfect community with God. That is worth celebrating. So celebrate with us. So Piper, tell me about Jesus.
1: Um... That he died on the cross for his sins, and he let us have um, forgiveness.
3: Piper, can you tell me what sin is?
1: Being, doing good stuff, bad stuff, I mean. Um, and you're disobeying your parents.
3: And who do you have to ask for forgiveness of sin?
1: Jesus, or God. How do you know
3: you get to go to heaven?
1: Um, you have to give Jesus in your heart, and then you can go to heaven.
3: How is your life going to be different after after you ask Jesus into your heart?
1: Um, you have really good stuff in your heart.
2: Lucas, what was your
1: life like before you met Jesus?
3: My life was... It wasn't great. It wasn't that bad, though. But it wasn't really centered on God. Centered on lots of other things. So, yeah. Lucas, why do you want to know Jesus? I want to know Jesus because he... He's going to be the one that... um, saves all of us, and he's going to come down and give us a chance to go up to heaven. Lucas, how did you ask Jesus into your heart? I asked Jesus into my heart when it was one of the nights, I think it was the first night of Advent. Uh, My dad asked if anyone wanted to be saved, and I said yes, and I prayed the... So prayer out loud to be saved, and here I am. <laughs> Lucas, how has your life changed? My life has changed in just the ways that I make more ch- uh, choices that are more towards God, and that He would want me to do. I've also I've been more open to that. I'm like a Christian, and I've been inviting other people to my to our church and other parts that would just bring them closer.
2: Can you tell me about how you asked Jesus into your heart?
1: On the first day of Advent, um, uh, my mom and dad asked if I wanted Jesus... Lucas and me, Lucas and I, uh, they asked us if if we wanted Jesus into our heart. And we both said yes, and we both asked Jesus into our heart.
3: How did you do it? Uh,
1: We prayed a prayer, and... We both accepted Jesus into our heart.
3: How has your life changed?
1: Um, it changed very well, and since I have the Holy Spirit in my, in my life now, I am going to heaven. An awesome church. I still go to the church. It was just an awesome life. But once you ask Jesus into your heart, you live an awesomer life.
4: Well, I'll try to do crying too much. <laughs> I'm a very proud father. It's uh, truly really exciting to uh, know that all three of my kids have accepted Christ as a personal savior. And that I don't only like it to spend this world and this life with them, but that God has blessed us enough to have our family in heaven, Preacher. And uh, I was, obviously, for the testimonies you heard, I was there that night when. Uh, we talked to our kids after the first Advent, and I wish I could have recorded Lucas's prayer. It was really sincere. It, just, it was amazing to know that God had touched his heart in such a way where he was like, I need Christ in my life. So <laughs> not have a blubbery mess, um, okay. Lucas. <clears throat> Do you believe that Jesus Christ saved you from your sins? Yes. Yeah. Right. You understand what we're doing today? And yes. baptism is just a, a command from God for us to, to follow and to show people that you've accepted this life that you want to live, live, live to please God and honor Him? Yes. All right. Are you ready to be baptized? Yes. In right. the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, I baptize you, Lucas. Two didn't want me to do it.
0: They wanted faster, so not sure why, but that's all right. I wish (laughs) I wish you guys could see and hear all the excitement that's going on back there, Um, (laughs) because it's uh, it's pure chaos in the most wonderful way possible. So Sam's gonna come on down. too high for you
1: guys.
0: Um, Alright, come on over to this side. You want to get your goggles on? Okay. It's a man after my own heart. Alright, wait, I'm going to ask a few questions first. Do you love Jesus in your heart? And do you understand what baptism is and what we're doing here today? And are you ready to be baptized? Alright, so Sammy, I get to bed. You want to go forward? I've never done it for Sure, we'll try it. Uh, I, Sammy, I get to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as my little brother in the Lord. Ready? Wow, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dad. We're swapping goggles. Hold these. Hold, hold phone.
1: Hold, hold. hold these. They have wet clothes.
0: <laughs>
1: they do. Yeah, very wet clothes. Yes.
0: Very wet clothes. All right, Piper. This might be over your head.
1: Piper, I think it will. Yeah. Up to the same thing. I want to pre baptize before we get ready. <laughs> Piper. Let's
0: see, that. Yeah. Piper. What do you think? You can do it. You <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: My mom used to do All right. Oh,
0: you're good. Look at that. You've just heard a message from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. To learn more about our church or to support our ministries, you can visit ktnaz.org.